Hey, I wasn't sure if you'd finish that in time. Well done. <laughs> this last month, we have talked about so many Old Testament prophets and their warnings to the northern and southern kingdoms, Israel and Judah. After ignoring their warnings, Israel in the north is taken captive by Assyria, and southern Judah, after years of being sieged, is taken captive by Babylon. This is heavy stuff. From Judah, the best and brightest, the A students, the professionals, the elite, they were all taken to Babylon. And the poorer working class were left behind in the rubble of a country whose beautiful temple and palace had been burned to the ground. Whether living in exile or under a conqueror's oppressive rule in their homeland, the people are suffering and they're calling out to God. They will be crying out for a long time to come. One prophet says, hey, this is only going to be two years. It's okay, we'll be back home and everything will be all right. And then Jeremiah says, no. No, this is going to be more like 70 years you're going to be in exile. 70 years, a lifetime. Have you ever been sent to your room? Anybody? I, okay, I'll admit it. I've been sent to my room countless times. Maybe you hit a brother or sister. Maybe you ate that thing that was supposed to be for dessert after dinner. Whatever it was, you were sent to your room. Sometimes you sit on your bed and you feel all those feelings that are going on inside. Sometimes you play or you read a book. Sometimes you sit and wait and wait and wait and wait. Maybe not 70 years, but you feel like you're waiting a long time. It feels like forever before you can get out and join, on, join in on the life that's going on around you. This is just a little bit of what it feels like, just a little bit of what it's like to be in exile. Now, what is Judah to do? Why they wait? Why they wait 70 years? Jeremiah writes them a letter, and he tells them what God wants them to do. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to those I have carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses, settle down, plant gardens, eat what they produce, marry and have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city in which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if if it prospers, you will prosper too. They are not to put their lives on hold in all the waiting, but they're to live, to build homes, to plant gardens and eat what grows. They're to celebrate marriages and births. They're also told to seek the shalom, the peace, and the well-being of the city. Do these verses, especially verse 7, remind you of anything? 
Verse 7 especially, seeking the peace and well-being. It's on everything pretty much we have here at First Baptist. If you look at it, you can see it on our order of service or go to our website or our YouTube channel, even our letterhead. In the 90s, uh, we chose this verse to remind us as people of God, as a church downtown, we're to care for the city we live in. We are to bring peace and well-being to the people and the city of Edmonton. Our church is 128 years old now. It has a long history of seeking the peace and well-being of Edmonton as a city. In in 1892, I remember 128 years, in 1892, Louise Bellamy, who is related to our own Anne Bellamy, searched the newly incorporated town of Edmonton for other Baptists and found five in Edmonton and a farm couple that lived on the outskirts of Edmonton, so she had seven altogether. On April 29th, Louise and Thomas Bellamy, and I love this part, without waiting for denominational approval, mm -hmm, we have a long line of being black sheep apparently, they hosted a gathering at their home with the intention of forming a church and calling a pastor or a student to lead them. On February 19, 1893, First Baptist became the third Baptist church in what would become known as the province of Alberta in 1905. So I think there was one down in Lethbridge, and then one in Calgary, and then we were the third Baptist Union church to start up in Alberta. In May of 1893, a women's mission circle was formed, In June, a property was found to be purchased. By August, the first Sunday school classes were being held, and a Young People's Baptist Union was formed. Our founders did not waste any time. In 1909, Sunday schools and church services were offered in various town locations and on the outskirts of town, one being for children who were not able, for various reasons, to attend the service above the River Valley. This was in Ross Flats in a building loaned by a church member. Early on, our church was involved with immigrants, refugees, ran a clothing distribution center where Clark Stadium now stands. We sponsored and helped build and offered loans as well as provided charter members to numerous churches throughout the growing town of Edmonton. FBC hosted boys and girls clubs and ran a downtown daycare. We've also been home to a gambling recovery group, government-hosted fitness classes, as well as transitioning groups for those leaving time served in prison. Over the years, we've shared our buildings with congregations from various backgrounds, German, Swedish, Spanish, Karen, Following World War II, FBC participated in a crusade called Building for Peace. In 1953, the church became too big for its building, and they wanted to build a newer church that could better serve the church and the outreach programs that it offered. If you read the documents, it was firmly decided to remain in the heart of the city as its place of witness and service. 
which brings us to our current location, which some actually thought was too far out of downtown because 109th Street was kind of the edge of downtown when they got this property. So there was some debate over whether this was too far out of town. In 1970, First Baptist became one of the founding churches for the Edmonton City Center Church Corporation, affectionately known as E4C. In the 80s, we co-founded the Mustard Seed Street Church with North American Baptists and continue to be involved in both these ministries. There are so many other beautiful accomplishments throughout our history, but I chose to focus on some of the areas that have specifically impacted our city. To some, this might sound like boasting, but I believe we are invited to remember our beginnings, our heritage, our long history in this place. Are there ways that we've messed up? Of course. Are there things we would do differently and change? Definitely. Are we perfect? No. I do love our church's very conscious choice multiple times of choosing to stay downtown, in the heart of the city, especially when there were times it was believed that it might be better to move to the suburbs and at one time even close down altogether. We've made it, and I absolutely believe this is something to celebrate. Remembering and dreaming helps, us, helps to remind us that we're part of something bigger, that that bigger is made up of smaller acts accomplished by everyday people like us. Let's take a minute to remember and to look forward to ways we have been and will continue to be the peace and bring well-being to the city. Maybe you have a story of your own, um, something about our church collectively, or something maybe individually that you have done. Maybe you've been a part of E4C or the Mustard Seed. I remember a few years ago when we took the five Sixers to the Mustard Seed to serve a meal. Hazel might have a story about that time she went with us. Or maybe you have a dream of something that you would like to do as a church collectively or individually, and you've never shared that thing. One of my memories within the last few years is of the Shippet family. During the first winter of COVID, when I was feeling really isolated and really depressed in lockdown, I received a text from Kathleen asking if they could pop by. They did, and we had a lovely, heart-filling visit on the sidewalk in front of my house. It was a beautiful, thoughtful moment of them bringing me well-being and peace literally to my doorstep. So thank you again, Owen, and Lydia, and Nora, Dale, and Kathleen. Take a minute to recall something, an act, a kindness, and then I would like us to take some time to share your story with the cohort around you, your pew, or your couchmates, or your family, or a friend, or maybe a new friend here. There's power in words said aloud in acts remembered and hoped for. We'll take about five minutes to share with each other stories of peace and dreams of well-being that you remember in this place and people that we call First Baptist Church. 
Last week, there was such a lovely hum of voices after the service, after the hanging of the greens. Let's try and recreate that by safely and distantly talking to one another for about five minutes now. So please share with your pew mates or your couch mates at home.
Thank you. Thank you so much for talking and sharing. It was so good. It's so good to be together and be able to share. Gerald was reminding me of our banner as well that was done um, for our 100th year anniversary, 1992. And uh, many of us helped sew those banners. They were designed by artist Erica Grimbantz. And then many of us participated in the sewing. The official quilting was done by professionals, but... There's a little blue piece way up at the top of the actual seeking the peace and well-being of the city that I sewed. Yay, and it's still on. (laughs) Thank you again for sharing and talking and continuing to be something bigger than ourselves because we become better through our connections and our communal storytelling. If you would like to share your story or dream with us, please feel free to text or email or call I and I know the rest of ministerial staff would love to hear your stories. Together, we can write the continuing chapters of what is known as First Baptist Church. In the last 20 months, I think we can all relate to the word exile. Away from loved ones, in strange times, longing. We long for the end of the pandemic. We long for our Savior to come anew after Advent. Kim Bowler says longing is, Kate Bowler rather, says longing is the experience of feeling the lack, the recognition that things are not as they should be. We long to return to places and people that are beloved, to rebuild perhaps in different ways than before, to seek shalom and well-being in new or altered ways. We wait, but not idly. We're active, but not in a frenetic, empty, kind of I-have-to-do-all-the-things way. Rather, we live with thoughtful intentionality, looking for ways to pray for and bring peace into our own hearts, our homes, our neighborhoods, our city, and beyond. In the midst of our longing, the good news is that Jesus will be born. Restrictions will be lifted. Judah will return home from Babylon. So plant that spring garden. Share your favorite toy. Fall in love. Welcome a new child cook those amazing meals, and build a bigger table, know that whatever you do, it can bring light and life to those around you as we longingly wait and live with hope.